Hi. Welcome to Burden of Proof. <laughs> I'm Savannah. <laughs> I'm Alicia. And today we're going to be talking about the Slenderman stabbings, the stabbing of Peyton Lautner. How much did you know about this case before I decided to cover it? Very little. Very little. Like I heard basically just that two girls stabbed their friend. Yeah. That's the gist. All right. Of what I know. Let's so, get into it. Yes. I'm excited. I, I posted about this on my personal social media that this is the one I was working on, and so many people were excited about it. Nice. So it's a pretty, pretty popular one. We'll see. Hopefully, people gravitate toward it. Nice. You ready to get into the murder? Well, I am it's a ready. survivor story. It's not really a murder. Oh, thank goodness. Attempted. Well, that's okay. That's why we chose. What we did, burden of proof and focus yeah, on and do everything. the legalities a little bit so that way you can do all the things. Yeah. So Anissa Wire was born November 10th, 2001. So she is a little bit older than me. Yeah. I was born in April of 2002. She had a really normal childhood according to any and all reports. She was born in Waukesha, Wisconsin, which is where all of this takes place is in Waukesha County, Wisconsin. I'm not sure if Waukesha is the county or the city. I think that's the city. I don't know. You want me to look it up? Waukesha is a fun word. Waukesha. Waukesha. Um, also, I would like to say for my sources, obviously, I did a lot more than just watch the documentary. But um, if you are going to watch the documentaries, there's two. There's Beware the Slenderman on HBO Max. And then there is um, there's a 2020 episode from ABC. They're both good, but I think that the ABC one does focus a little bit more on Peyton and her story, which is interesting. That is honestly the only difference. So if you, you know, you want to watch either one, they're both good. And then um, lots and lots of websites and timelines and sort of tracking down appeal documents. So to answer your question, I think it might be both. Okay. Yeah, it's a city in, and it's the count, county seat of Waukesha County. Perfect. Both. Perfect. All right. So she was born in Waukesha, Wisconsin, and she was pretty much raised there. She had a normal childhood, according to any and all reports. She had a pink bedroom, a cat named Tiger, and she was a member of the choir. Anissa did struggle with relationships outside of her family. You know, she didn't have a lot of friends. Um, a few of her teachers recalled her crying in class a lot because she couldn't make friends very well. She was kind of an outsider. Yeah. Um, I feel like everybody knew somebody in their class who was like that, right? Yeah. I have a child like that. Yeah. So. That had, that struggled making real friends. Mm -hmm. Like, she's friendly, but yeah. Yeah. It's difficult. It is. So, when her parents announced their separation and divorce, she struggled. She was not, she did not cope with that very well. Um, she started disappearing into her iPad for several hours a day. And this was a school-issued iPad. Oh. Um. Yeah. So, so yeah. Well, well, I mean, um, yeah. That so, can stir up trouble. It was a school issued iPad, but she had gone on her own accord and made her own accounts on everything. So it wasn't she wasn't just using her school email for things. She was using her personal email. So she was about eleven or twelve years old when her parents announced their separation. And that summer, they told her that she would be moving, um, you know, into a new school and into a new house, which is you know, just a, you know, it's hard. So Especially at that age. It yeah. is a hard age. I moved in eighth grade, and it yeah. sucks. It's hard. Yeah. She started watching a ton of YouTube, 
And her dad claims that he you know, monitored the amount of time she was on it. But at the same time, you can look at her search history. If you watch the HBO documentary, they, they go through that a little bit. And there's a lot of really normal content that she was watching, but then there's some there's some disturbing things. It's easy to find disturbing things. It is. I blocked YouTube for a while for my kids because they were not intentionally trying to watch things that were disturbing, but yeah, they were finding it. And we're gonna get into it. And like, I have a really unique perspective on this case because we're the same age. I am almost exactly the same age as Morgan Geyser, who's the other defendant in this case. And um, she's actually younger than me by about a month. So we were born a month apart. Yeah. Nearly to the day. And so I know exactly what I was doing when I was 12 years old and how deep I was sucked into the internet. Yeah. And so I kind of get it. So you'll see. I mean, it's called the Slenderman stabbing. So spoiler alert. Um, One of the most disturbing things that they found in her YouTube search history was she had some weird comments on things, and there was a video of a, a Bengal cat that she followed that would hunt prey in their bathtub. So they would release mice into the bathtub, and he would or she would hunt the mouse and eat it. So, hmm. but you know, in the grand scheme of things, is that that strange? It's up to like context, I think. I mean, it's yeah. weird for a 12 year old, but if like you're super into science, I don't think that's that weird. Yeah. I know a nine-year-old who keeps squirrel skulls, and it's oh. not that she's weird. <laughs> she's just really into, like, science and dissection and stuff. I I am... She didn't kill it. I should clarify. She did not kill the squirrel. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I think it can go either way. Yeah. And you just have to be, as the adults in those children's lives, you have to be super aware Mm -hmm. and pay you know you just have to pay attention because i mean i'm not saying that the nine-year-old that you know is going to turn into a (laughs) serial killer but that is one of the things in the jeffrey dahmer case that his dad was a scientist his dad studied Mm -hmm. biology and stuff and and so his dad thought nothing of Mm -hmm. jeffrey's fascination with bones and stuff but then it, like, escalated into mm-hmm. other things. And I don't know, you know. It's like, hard. You I, have to pay attention to those things. If it starts to escalate, then, yeah, you need to intervene. Exactly. So on the bus to her new school, Anissa. Sorry, I keep wanting to say Anissa because I grew up with an Anissa. But it's Anissa. Anissa. Anissa met Morgan Geyser. So Morgan Geyser was born May 16th, 2002. And... Morgan actually was an interesting child, but she was a surprise for her parents, and she was very much loved. And she did have a friend. She she was a little weird. She was an oddball, but she did have a friend. Morgan met Peyton Lautner Leitner in kindergarten. They both loved Harry Potter, loved cats, and they dressed up in costumes all the time. Peyton desperately wanted to be liked by everyone. She was a really social person, but not necessarily popular. Just very likable. Um, And she was Morgan's only friend. But they were best friends. And they had been for a really long time. So you said they were around 11, 12, 12-ish I think they were going into either 7th or 8th grade. Okay, so 12, maybe even as old as 13. Maybe the oldest one. No, they were definitely 12. So probably around 7th grade. Yeah. Most kids are like 12-ish around 7th grade. So, yeah, from kindergarten, you met in kindergarten until mm-hmm. seventh grade. That's a long time. 
Exactly. So when the two of them met, they instantly found between the two of them something that Morgan did not have with Peyton, and that is that they had a lot in common. They were both weird. And I mean that in like, you know, they're weird kids. I was a weird kid for a long time. Um, And Peyton just was relatively more normal than the two of them. They bonded over their love of the internet and of all things weird. And in December of that year, after they'd been, you know, besties for a little while, Anissa introduces Morgan to Slenderman via some fan fiction through the website Creepypasta. So, I'm going to break for just a second and talk a little bit about Creepypasta because I'm not sure how much about it you know. I know nothing. I'm old. Okay, so Creepypasta... The best way I can describe it is that it is like a fictional Wikipedia for creepy stuff. So if you go onto Creepypasta and you don't know that it's fiction, it is very hard to discern. Yeah. That's a recipe for disaster with that age group. Exactly. I, I remember being 12 years old. Well, probably closer to 13. I was in eighth grade and I knew people who believed in Slenderman. I remember when this happened. This is a very I this hits a little close to home for me. Like I I knew people yeah. who believed in this, right? And so I wasn't because I wasn't really on this side of the internet. I was a one direction girly. I was reading fan fiction, but not Slenderman fan fiction. But it was really easy to be influenced on the internet when I was 12 years oh, old. Oh, absolutely. So easy. Absolutely. I was on Tumblr in that year. So if you know anything about Tumblr oh, in, God. in 2013, <laughs> 2013 to 2016, I, Tumblr is a whole different beast. Um, and that yeah. was my social media platform of choice. So while I I Yikes. don't know a ton about like the Slenderman concept during this era, I do know how easy it was to be influenced by something oh, yeah. like Creepypasta that even if you know on the surface it's fictional, it's so hard to discern. We've had to have those discussions with our kids, and they're not even on a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. but they've, you know, wandered in, or they have friends that are allowed to be on a wider variety of, uh, even on social media platforms and stuff, and their friends will send them stuff, mm-hmm. and they'll sh- come to me and be like, look at this. I'm like, that's so fake. Why? Like, yeah, that's so fake. It's hard to vet and those things. And they're like, how do you know? And I'm like, I I, mm-hmm. I, just know that that's not possible, but you're, you haven't learned physics yet <laughs> or, or, you know, whatever yeah. the case may be. It's just a discernment that you gain mm-hmm. as you mature. And at middle school age, you are prime, oh, prime yeah. for the pickings and, to fool and into believing these things. And reading fan fiction at this point in their lives is very normal for our generation. I mean- yeah. It's it's just how you it's how you really dive into certain areas of media. Mm-hmm. Um, so by all accounts, this is normal. And then Morgan's mom later goes on to say, like she knew she liked Slenderman, but at her age, she was reading Stephen King's It. So she says, "I thought it was normal for them to be into creepy stuff, and I liked creepy stuff when I was twelve. Yeah, I watched the movie It at yeah eleven. I mean." It's hard because so much of me throughout this case wants to be like, there were so many signs that she was struggling. But also, if you're not sure, if you don't know that you're supposed to be looking, it's hard. Yeah. Megan and Anissa bonded over their love of Slenderman. um, And they tried to introduce Peyton, their other best friend, into this sort of creepypasta world. Um, But she was 
very much not interested, and she told them that. And they sort of bordered on harassment when it came to how much they wanted her to be interested. They were spamming her with links, constantly bothering her about it. Um, yeah, it's I, I Peyton's That's mom so talks rough. about she was like, well, I tried to tell her you just need to be firm with them and say you don't want it, but it's it's hard. It it is. It so is. one of my kids had you know. Not nearly as intense as what this sounds, but yeah, one of my one of the twins had have a couple has a couple friends that are really into anime, and she likes anime, but like mm-hmm. not on the level yeah. that they're into it. And so she's like, "I like them; they're m- my friends, I guess, but I don't know how to tell them. I don't want to talk about anime twenty four seven. Yeah, I don't want you to send me." You know, I yeah. don't want you to send me all of these things. I don't want you to FaceTime me and then just sit on FaceTime while you're watching anime. Yeah. <laughs> like, I have other things to do. Mm-hmm. So it, it's hard. And she doesn't know how to tell them that because at that age, when you reject, that's how kids, that's like how kids connect. At it's that over age, what they is what over they their superficial enjoy. likes. Yeah. And they don't really yet know how to form bonds over just being human Mm -hmm. (laughs) at that point it's all about what you like and what you don't like so they take it very personal when you say i don't like that i don't want to do that and peyton was not afraid to tell them that she didn't like it because it scared her she was scared of it so i just i don't know the reason i talk about the fact that they were spamming her with these sort of things even though most places most people aren't talking they don't mention that um, it's because I just, for some reason, it really resonated with me with it. Like, little 12-year-old Peyton was scared of these things that her friends were sending her. They, she didn't want to see it. Yeah. Yeah, when my girl... Oh, that just made me think. I know exactly what you're thinking of. Do you? Yeah. Because Madison saw it, too. Yeah. Momo? Yeah. yeah. Oh, gosh. It my freaks girl, me out. My girls were, like, in, what, third, fourth grade? Mm-hmm. And they had a friend who had no limits on internet keep sending them every time she was mad at them. It's she terrifying. Would, she would send them pictures or things of Momo. And they came to me and I was like, I had to get on there and say, this is mom. If you continue to do this, you will be blocked and they will no longer ever be allowed to talk to you. I understand you're I, upset. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. It's a horrifying thing. Yeah. And my, she's five now. So when this was a big deal, she was a little kid. Oh my gosh. She was three or four. My niece was, yeah. she has, she still has nightmares. She came to me recently and was like, I had a dream about the girl. And I know that's what she's talking about. Aww. So it just, and because that's so relevant, I don't know. It just struck close to home. Yeah. That I was like, she's scared of this thing and they keep bothering her about it. Yep. So, yeah. So Slenderman, let's talk a little bit about Slenderman mm-hmm. because, um, yeah. I know about Slenderman, but some people might not. So Slenderman started out on Creepypasta, that sort of creepy Wikipedia fiction, Wikipedia thing that I was discussing. It started out as a photo contest. It was a Photoshop competition to see who could edit the creepiest picture. And so, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on his name, but somebody, it's a Mark, Mark. Mark. <laughs> Mark. 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 I'm sorry. I can't, I can't get Momo out of my head. And so now I'm like freaking out and I'm 20 years old. She can't. I'm sorry. It's freaky. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's terrifying. I'm so sorry to bring that up. But that's, no, but I agree. But it was like 
same kind of situation, just not as serious, obviously. Oh, I don't know. Momo's pretty terrifying. Well, I just mean it didn't escalate into oh, something yeah. more serious. Yeah. Anyway, so I believe his name was Mark. <laughs> um, edited into a background of pictures with children in it, a, a group of children at a playground into this black and white photograph, a very tall, very pale man in a suit with no face. Mm -hmm. um, with a very creepy caption, he edited two of these pictures and submitted it to the contest. And Slenderman was born. Slenderman could be anywhere between 6 and 14 feet tall. He would kidnap children. He could harass you. He would kill your family. Um, at any point, he could, you know, willingly control tentacles from his back to kill you or strangle you with them. And the the pictures that people edit of this look incredibly real because he has no face. So it's very easy to fill yeah. in spots in your head that you're seeing him places. Yeah. So it he was a perfect candidate for a tulpa. So if you know anything about tulpas, did you watch Supernatural? That's where I learned about tulpas. I did. And I as soon as you said it, I'm like, I know that, but I don't yes. remember all the details. So the idea of a tulpa is that if if a group, if a community, if a, if the world believes in something fictional so hard, it comes to life. That's right. Yeah. So this is a perfect candidate of something that started on the internet as a, copy, yeah. a picture, a Photoshop picture that people believed in so hard or they... It, evolved so quickly that people really quickly could not yeah. figure out if it was real or fake especially if you're 12 years old on the internet yeah and it sucks because i know that these parents had no idea how serious internet safety is because nobody knew at this time yeah you, you just i mean you knew it could be dangerous but you didn't know the f you, you're thinking about pedophiles but you're not thinking yeah, about the long-term effects exactly psychologically of being on the internet i was gonna at 10, say that the big thing at that point was focusing because that i mean yeah, that this is a big 2012, part of it. you said? The 13. 2012, 2013. That's right when my kids were starting, you know, watching YouTube and, and trying to manage stuff. And you are. And you're like, at one point, they started playing Minecraft. Mm -hmm. They started. They Slenderman's on play, Minecraft. They wanted to play Roblox. And I, that was the focus. Parents were concerned about all of these games and things that my kid's going to go on and talking to people that I don't know if that's who. They are. They think they're their friend or they think, oh, it's harmless because you're online. What can possibly happen? But you'd read all kinds of stories. Don't let your kid play Roblox. There's perverts on yeah. Roblox pretending yeah, to be kids and girl. talking to your kids. And that, being groomed that, online is such a real yeah, thing. Yeah. So that really was at that time, that was the main focus, even more so than content. Yeah. And now I, I, I hope agree. I hope now that it's also content based because oh absolutely the content that these girls were consuming about Slenderman because they couldn't discern because of their age and their naivety if it was real or fake mm -hmm. it sucks and I know some people are going to argue and this is the other thing I don't want to come off as biased at all I don't I, this is just my opinion because a lot of people are they bias towards either Anissa or towards Morgan oh yeah and it sucks because like. Neither one of these girls were prepared for what they were dealing with, and they both they were they were guilty. Yeah. So we'll we'll get into that in a little bit. But anyway, so this is when the story gets messy because we hear it from two different perspectives. Right. One of them, they each claim that it was the other, um, but most of the stories say that it was morgan's idea for them to become proxies so slenderman's story was that he had proxies 
aka minions across the world who would do his bidding and help him achieve the goals that he had. And in order to become a proxy, Morgan told Anissa that this would require a blood sacrifice. And then they would have to go travel to go live in the mansion that Slenderman had that happened to be in a, in a national park that wasn't too far away from them. So this is kind of when I'd like to talk about Morgan some more. A lot of people talk about Morgan and her diagnosis after the crime is committed, just because she did not know that that was her diagnosis until after. I don't think that's fair. Yeah. I think that in order to fully understand the, the, the scope of what they're dealing with, I'm going to talk about it now. So Morgan um, is later diagnosed with schizophrenia, and it's genetic. So obviously, mm-hmm. she's 12. It's very young for somebody to have schizophrenia at this severity. Um, but her father has schizophrenia. So it's... I have, however, heard that both um, bipolar and schizophrenia tends to onset in girls at a younger age. Mm. And it isn't uncommon for it to onset during puberty. So right around that yeah. age. Yeah. So actually, Morgan's mom says that she probably started having hallucinations as young as three. Oh, wow. Um, she didn't tell her parents. And this is her dad saying that he thinks the reason he that she never told them how bad it had gotten was because those were her friends. And yeah. a lot of people with hallucinations get protective over them. Mm-hmm. And she knew that if she told anybody that they would go away. The most concerning story about this, however, is not about her schizophrenia. Her mom tells a story on several sources. This is really the only story that her mom tells about Morgan when she was young, was watching Bambi for the first time. So, spoiler alert, if you don't know what happens in Bambi, the mom gets shot by a hunter. And so she was really concerned about showing Morgan this part of the movie. Yeah, because most kids... It's hard because, you know... A lot mm-hmm. of kids really young. She was probably, I don't know how old she was, but young, mm-hmm. are attached to their mothers. And um, Morgan, instead of being concerned about the fact that Bambi's mom was dead, she was yelling, Bambi, just run, save yourself. Keep going, Bambi, save yourself. With no empathy towards the mother. Yeah. So, you know, it's, that's that could be, could be something, could be nothing. Yeah. And that's often how, well... I, I feel like I should say the disclaimer that if I if I sound like I'm trying to I'm not trying to sound like an expert on these facts, but um, mental health is a big issue among my family. I have several family members with similar mental health issues. So while I'm not an expert, I am quite familiar with mm-hmm. the the whole concept of this person has this not yet developed mental health issue Mm -hmm. and after you find after the fact when they get the diagnosis you look back and things like that and you go oh wow that's why that that's why that came out that way yeah yeah it just it just kind of all the pieces come together and everything starts to make sense but in the moment you just think yeah Wow, that's kind of weird. The only thing I don't quite understand is if her dad has schizophrenia and you know that this is an issue. That I do not understand. How are you not looking for these signs? But it's easy for me to say, right? Because I'm on this side of it. But, you know, for them, that is always something I've wondered. And that's not something they've ever talked about. Yeah, I have been very – well, I I think it depends on the family because, you know, there were even even as short as 10 years ago – 
there was still quite a bit of stigma yeah, around this is true. things. And I think it also depends on the family. So it wasn't until a certain diagnosis when I was sharing with a family member that actually is no longer a family member <laughs> because they were by marriage. And, and then they informed me that one of my grandparents had a mental health disorder that's similar. And I'm like, how did I never know that? Yeah. Why did that never come out? Because it's just not talked about. And yet, if I had known that, I would have been able Mm -hmm. to help or assist this other person so much better. And now everything makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so I have been... And Morgan was not told of her father's diagnosis. She did not know. So she thought she was dealing with this all by herself and that if she told anybody, they're going to take them away. Yeah. So she was having hallucinations of Mr. Spock from Star Trek. Um, Voldemort from Harry Potter, and, of course, Slenderman. And to her, even though she probably on some level knew that it wasn't real, they were very real to her. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. It was really difficult. So when they decided they wanted to become proxies, Morgan came to Anissa a little bit later and said, I spoke to Slender, and he says it has to be Peyton. Wow. Neither one of them were, like, super into this idea. They planned it out for months. They had several different plans. And they, because they just kept putting it off. They didn't want to, they didn't want to kill her, but they felt like they had to because if they didn't, Morgan was saying to Anissa or they were telling each other that more, that Slenderman would hurt their families. Come for them. Yeah. Or come for them. So they felt like they had to do this. Morgan's line was just saying, I didn't want to do this, but it was necessary. So it all came to a head on May 30th at Morgan's birthday sleepover. They went to Skateland the night before and went roller skating and had a really fun time. Peyton was a really good roller skater, so she was having a blast. And they were originally supposed to kill her that night. Um, But Morgan woke up when they were supposed to do it and decided she wanted to give her one more morning. So they woke up, they had strawberries and donuts for breakfast, and Morgan asked her mother if they could go to the park. Normally, they would never go to the park by themselves, but it was her birthday, and there were three of them, and her mom just thought, it'll be fine, there's three of them, and it's her birthday, I don't want to tell her no, but I don't want to go to the park. That's kind of that age where you start letting them have a little bit of that freedom, I was going to the mall at 12 with my friends, and so... There were a couple of incidences at the park. The first, Anissa brought both of them into the bathroom where she saw a drain and she thought that that would be good for the blood. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. So then she tried to knock out Anissa by pushing her against the wall because she read somewhere online that it would be easier to kill someone if they were unconscious. But it didn't work. And so she calmed down her friend, apologized, and then they started playing hide-and-seek. So, um, wait, I back up. Somebody tried to knock out Anissa or no, they tried to knock out Peyton. Peyton. Okay. Gotcha. So Anissa tried to knock out Peyton. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. Um, so they started playing hide and seek. And once Peyton had run and hid, Morgan said, quote, that they were going to hunt her like lionesses hunting their prey. So they tracked her down and together they 
pinned down Peyton. And on Anissa's command of go ballistic, go crazy, Morgan began stabbing her friend with a about a five-inch kitchen knife that she had taken before they left. She stabbed her 19 times, and eventually, about halfway through, she said, don't be scared, I'm just a little kitty cat. At some point during this process, I, could, I struggled to pin down exactly when. Wow. I know that Morgan started to freak out and Anissa had to calm her down, and she was doing so by petting her like a cat. Okay. And remember, her and Peyton bonded over her both liking right. cats. So for her, this is another delusion. Yeah. And at one point before she started stabbing her, she did whisper that she was sorry to Peyton before she started. Oh, boy. So eventually, after she finished stabbing her, Peyton was able to stand up. She tried to stand up and was crying, and she was in agonizing pain, obviously. Um, and Anissa began to sort of freak out. She, she laid her down. She told her, don't move. You'll lose blood slower and we'll go get help. And they left. They left Peyton alone in the woods. Oh, my gosh. Peyton knew they weren't coming back. <laughs> yeah. Um, this 12-year-old's a little badass. So she waited for them to leave and she laid very quietly while they left. And once she thought that they had been gone long enough, she grabbed some trees. She dragged herself up and began the walk slash crawl slash dragging herself through the woods towards a bike path. Oh my gosh. The bike path was closed that day. Oh, no. So she'd been calling and calling, but she was losing blood and she was very tired. Luckily, a man decided that he was going to bike the path anyway. He just had a feeling he wanted to go that day. And he finds 12-year-old Peyton Lautner, Leitner, had been stabbed 19 times. He calls 911 and 911 operators made him repeat himself because they didn't believe him. They were like, what are you talking about? This is Waukesha, a 12-year-old who's been stabbed? What are yeah. you talking about? But that's exactly what it was. And he asked her, who did this to you? And Peyton said, my best friend Morgan. You know, the ambulance shows up. They take her directly to the hospital and her mom gets brought in. Her mom talks about, and this kind of just broke my heart because I can just picture this playing out like a scene in Grey's Anatomy mm -hmm. where she's in the same room as all of these nurses and the nurses are just calling out numbers. Yeah. I have five here. I have eight here. I have seven over here. And then one nurse says, okay, so we have 19 in total. So oh she's talking about different stab wounds on her daughter. There are 19 stab wounds on her 12-year-old kid. I, your, your twins are relatively the same size as Peyton was. I can't imagine finding 19 different places to stab them uh, on their bodies. I, I, I can't. It's so hard. <laughs> I so, can't. <laughs> um, you know, she just kept telling her, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. And obviously the, the nurses talk about how agonizing it was because she was in so much pain. Yeah. So she went into surgery and meanwhile, um, the girls, Anissa and Peyton, Anissa and Morgan, have started their trek to Slenderman's Mansion in the National Forest or National Park. So the they didn't go back home. They, no. They went. They left. Okay. The problem is, is that they are 12 and have no concept of time or space. Yeah. So they have no idea. The direction, probably. Where okay. they're, well, they know where they're supposed to be going, but they don't grasp how far it is. Yeah. So it's a it's a really far away, right? Like so anyway, 
it was hot. It's essentially June. <laughs> so is hot. And they were not well prepared. As they started walking towards the mansion, the alleged mansion, Anissa began to break down and started blaming everything on Morgan. And she started doing the juvenile trait of crime where they deny everything. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have done this if it weren't for you. This is all you, blah, blah, blah. But Morgan held to her delusion and she told Anissa, we need to trust. Slender's going to come and take us and we're going to be fine. You need to trust. So they go and they find Anissa. They go to Morgan's house first, obviously, because that's the name that keeps coming up is Morgan did this. Morgan did this. Mm-hmm. And they're told, well, something's happened to the girls. And she says, oh, no, they're, well, where's Anissa? So now they're looking at both, pa- they've gone to both parents. They've told them that something's happened, but they didn't tell them which girl ha- what it happened to and wh- what's okay. When they went to Anissa's house, her mom began searching through her things, thinking, well, I need to look for where what's happening, what I need a clue. Right. She knows she left her phone. So she opened up her phone and started looking through it and said that she had left a note she had written two days earlier. And it basically read that she loved her family and that that she didn't want them to grieve her when she was gone and that she would not do them harm. And the way it was worded, it it read more like a runaway note than a suicide note kind of thing. So they're thinking that she ran away. They're, they know one of them is hurt. They just haven't been told either way what has happened. Yeah. But they're still tearing Waukesha County apart looking for these two 12-year-old girls. Five hours into the manhunt, they find the girls near an interstate on-ramp. They had gone into a local Walmart to clean up, but they still had some blood on their clothes, and everyone was out looking for them. I think it was just a patrol officer who ended up spotting them. Yeah. And he was worried they were going to fight him because he knew that they had just stabbed a girl, but... They were exhausted because it had been five hours of walking in the heat, not knowing where they were really going. Um, And they went quietly. So I just. Oh, my gosh. I can't. As a mom, my twins are now 12. I can't wrap my head around any of this. Mm -hmm. It's insane. And I don't mean to make light. I mean, I know literally they at least one of them has a has the diagnosis and that's I don't mean to make fun of (laughs) mental health issues but it is so hard to believe how fast somebody can snap like that Mm -hmm. to go from like oh we notice some strange things to Mm -hmm. oh we're stabbing people and walking for hours looking Mm -hmm. for a (laughs) non-existent exactly (laughs) entities yeah mansion it's terrifying yeah it is So let's get into their interrogations a little bit now that they're in custody. So they were separated and interrogated by two very different detectives with very different styles. Very good cop, bad cop. Um, Anissa got with a woman. um, I should have written their names down. I didn't. You live and you learn. Um, Who was, you know, much more caring and she she was very patient and she got everything she needed out of Anissa. But Anissa wasn't fighting her. Yeah. She was very open and she told them exactly what happened. She was very upset. They both read each child their Miranda rights, but they did not tell them that they could have a parent present. Oh, guys. Or that they could have lawyers. <laughs> I mean, they read them like their Miranda rights, but, but they, they're 12. But they're 12. Like, and there is a clip of them like having a piece of paper where they're explaining everything and they're, you know, signing them because they want them to go through it slowly so that they understand because they are minors. But 
they did not clarify that they could speak to their parents before they were interrogated or that their parents could be in the room with them. Did the parents know that they were in custody being questioned? Um, it's kind of, you can't really tell if, I'm sure they knew that they, ha- they had found them. I'm sure they told them, we have your girls. But I don't think that they told them they were being investigated for Peyton's assaults. I don't know. It's a gray area in the records. It's hard to find what they knew and what they didn't know. They very clearly okay. were not trying to get in because obviously they would have had to let them. But this is why they end up appealing. That's so. what, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, but they're not trying to get in because if they just think, oh, they found them, they just God, think they're, they're talking. Safe. They just think they're trying to yeah. figure out what's going on. Yeah. So um, a little bit about their, both of their interrogations were very different. And this is where mm-hmm. you really see the difference in their mental states. Because while Anissa does struggle with some delusion issues, she was very remorseful and much more empathetic, much more emotional during her interview. So she was offered a blanket and she took it and she wrapped it around herself because, you know, she's she's self-soothing. She's cocooning up. Yeah. She cried throughout most of the interview, but not hysterically. She was trying to keep herself together so that she could tell them what happened. Yeah. She took blame for her actions, and she even said that none of this would have happened if I hadn't shown Morgan creepypasta. She asked about Peyton, and she seems – they call her Bella. If you watch the clips, they call her Bella because there was another Peyton in their class. So that's a little confusing, but they called her Bella. But she asked about her. She seemed surprised when she realized that she was alive but relieved. She looked like a kid who had committed a crime and didn't realize how bad it was going to be. Yeah. Morgan – on the other hand, she caught on pretty quickly to the Mr. Badcap's intentions. Um, she was very matter-of-fact in her statements. She blamed Anissa for almost everything and mostly just didn't want to say too much. She was very hesitant to give any information. And when she did, it was vague. She didn't mm-hmm. name Slenderman right off the bat. When they finally figured out through Anissa's story that that's who it was, the detective started asking more questions. And she said, he said, well, why did you do this? Who did you do this for? And Morgan just said, well, the man that Anissa knew. I didn't know him, but Anissa knew him. Interesting. So um, she looked at the ground 90% of the time during her testimony. Not testimony. Interrogation is when they were talking to her. And it was just overall a little weird. There was one part where I I watched most of the pieces you can find online. And he's asking her the same question in a different phrasing. Mm -hmm. And she said, very matter-of-factly, she's quiet in her voice, but it's pretty, not snarky is not the right word, but like, she said, well, are you just trying to ask me this in a different way so that I tell you different information? Like, she knew exactly what he was trying to do. She yeah. wasn't fooled. Yep. At one point, he um, gets her dinner and he leaves. And when he leaves, she checks through the entire room under the table, every nook and cranny to see if there's anyone there, which is a little funky. And then she eats her food in a really strange way. She eats it in very small bites and it takes her forever to get through any sort of her fries. And then she starts playing with them as if they're toys. And on the other hand, you have Anissa. Who's starving. Because it's been how many hours now? Yeah. Yeah. So it's... I think they packed, like, snacks and stuff. They had oh, some stuff. Oh, okay. But... Well. Yeah. They just... It's very different. And you see it 
a little bit. And Anissa is she's talkative and they bring in to do her mugshot and they're like, What's your name? She says, My name is Anissa Wire. She's just a little bit different. It's just very different. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Because she's broken. This delusion is over for Anissa. It's not over yeah. for Morgan. Morgan said, in one part, she said, um, are you going to put me in prison and I'll rot away? And then she said, well, I, did, I knew I would go to prison or a, or a mental hospital, but I didn't know which one. But I knew I would go to one or the other. Wow. And so it's just bizarre to me that, that it, it was shocking to watch. Yeah. That's yeah. sad. So they were found equally responsible at first. And at first, they were both charged with first-degree attempted manslaughter. And eventually, Morgan was charged with first-degree attempted homicide. Not manslaughter, but homicide. And then Anissa was charged with second-degree attempted as a party mm-hmm. because she didn't actually commit the stabbing. Yeah. While they were awaiting trial and sentencing, they were put into a juvenile center, even though they they were charged as adults, but because of their age, they were put in. Yeah. A, yeah. So they were in a juvenile place. She was a model inmate. They were still in class together, which is kind of weird. Um, but Anissa very much wanted nothing to do with Morgan. When she passed through the hallway, she would always avert her eyes. And Anissa got along well with the other students and the other inmates. Uh, Morgan was still sort of odd. She acted like a cat most of the time. And when she wasn't acting like a cat, she was making friends with the ants in her cell. Um, she was making them her pets, either feeding them or throwing them at other inmates. She would take them out of rooms and throw them at other inmates. This is when she was diagnosed with schizophrenia and oppositional defiance disorder. Yep. Yep. They often go hand in hand. They do. So, lots of arguments about how they were to be charged and tried and sentenced if they were going to be as adults or as juveniles. Now, they were charged with first degree attempted homicide and second degree attempted homicide. That automatically, through Wisconsin law, makes them charged as adults. If you're 10 years old or over and you're charged with any sort of murder, homicide, anything like that, you're automatically charged as an an adult under Wisconsin law at this time. Wow. 10. Yep. So I'm going to switch gears and go into more of the legal stuff at this point. It It was interesting to watch their parents talk and, you know... Peyton was very adamant from day one that she wanted justice. She wanted them to go to jail forever. She did not want them out. I mean, um, but she even said she wasn't surprised. Morgan has always struggled. She knew this was going to be. Yeah. She wasn't shocked. So August 2014, the judge rules Morgan guys are incompetent for now. They find that she, they suspend her prosecution until she's kind of more stable. Mm Mm-hmm. At the same month, that same month in 2014, the governor of Waukesha declares a day for Peyton. She has had the support of the community since day one. There's tons of stuff for her. They were very helpful bringing her back into school. Um, She started school again the next year. And her mom says she struggled for a really long time to make friends and to trust people again, obviously. Um, but you see her in the ABC 2020 documentary that aired, I believe, in 2019 or 2020. And she's really, she's just, she's a beautiful girl and she's grown into herself and she's very well spoken. And so she's, she's definitely a survivor. She's awesome. Yeah. But that, I mean, 
middle school is tra- traumatic for mm-hmm. just about everybody. But that brings it to a whole new level. Yep. A whole new level of trust issues with yep. friends. I can't imagine. So that's August. And then in September, the judge orders a psych evaluation of um, Anissa. In 2014, oh, just kidding, 2014, the ABC 2020 documentary is posted, and it focuses on Peyton's ongoing recovery and her return to school, and previously they hadn't spoken to the media, the Launer family. Yeah. America met Peyton that day. The community knew her, but that was the first time that they had been. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that the, the 2020 documentary I watched was more recent than that, but anyway. They do that a lot. 2020 is one of those shows they'll update. Yeah. They'll do, like, the story again as, like, sort of an anniversary and check I in. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, 2014, later that year, so the same year, but December. So that's, you know, September to December. Mm-hmm. Both girls are found competent at this point to proceed. So they have been in that same facility getting treatment. The preliminary hearings begin in February of 2015. The defense argues that Geyser believes, believe, which is um, Morgan, is mm-hmm. her last name is Geyser. She had to kill or she would be killed by the internet character Slenderman, the judge on this case. He's very, he did a very good job. I think he, I think he did an excellent job as the judge. He was very fair. Um, mm-hmm. Same is Michael Bowern, Bowern, B-O-H-R-E-N, Bowern. Um, he mm-hmm. just, here's a picture of him. He's just, he's. Was the old man with mustache? I enjoy. He looks like a great. He was respectful in the bits that I saw of the trial. So he basically says that he rejects the argument that they acted under kill or be killed, which would have made it a second degree intentional. It would have if if he had believed the fact that they if if he felt that they proved that it was kill or be killed, Mm -hmm. it would have taken it from first degree to second degree homicide. And it would require that the girls were tried in juvenile court. Okay, gotcha. I would also think that this is a good time. The difference between them being charged as adults and being charged as a minor is massive. If they had been charged by juveniles, they would have been released at 18 with supervision. Charged as an adult meant that they would not be released until their very late 70s, early 80s. Oh, my gosh. It was the difference between their entire lives or just a few years. Wow. It's a big difference. So that's why everyone was arguing. Nobody was arguing that the crime wasn't serious. Yeah, but that's a lot. It's a big, especially, that's what their defense attorneys were just, were doing their jobs in that case. Especially when, I don't, that's difficult. I don't know how you would, yeah. I don't know the legalities behind it or if it would be possible, but that's like, they're obviously guilty, and we discuss this. It's like we discuss it on every case of, you know, insanity. Clearly, she knew it was wrong. When you're apologizing to your victim as you're doing something to them, like, clearly you know it's wrong. Yeah. That's the basis of legal yeah. insanity. So, but this girl had an undiagnosed mm-hmm. mental health disorder that can very much people with this disorder can very much go on to live yeah. normal life when being treated properly if if she was like denying treatment at the time of the crime mm-hmm. i could see why totally why a judge would be like no that's it like yeah 
you're hopeless. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. But she, yeah, they it didn't was no. And it and it really did come down to if the defense attorneys were able to. Basically, the judge even said you could not prove beyond reasonable doubt that these girls were by law needed to be tried as juveniles based off of the way that the Wisconsin law is written. If it was kill or be killed and it was intentional homicide either way, you knew you were going to kill them, but you had to or else they'd kill you. Yeah. It's still premeditated. It's still homicide, but it takes it down from being an adult crime. The first degree is what made it an adult crime. But they could not argue because he's a fictional character. Even though they were having these issues, the facts are the facts. And it sucks. But he basically said the other reason he didn't just override this as a judge is it was a a safety concern. Yeah. So they were to be tried as adults as of March of 2015. In April, Morgan's attorney sought a bail reduction and a release from jail for treatment. They tried to get him and her into a Milwaukee Academy, which would be an all-girls residential treatment center. And I'm not even going to try and say that. (laughs) It's in Milwaukee. It's in Milwaukee. (laughs) Um, But the judge said that because the facility was not secured, that Morgan would have been a flight risk, and he denied it. In May, the first reverse waiver hearing was tried or attempted. When I say tried, I meant they tried to file it. It was yeah. rejected. They tried to say that Wire had a very low risk, Anissa had a very low risk of future criminal activity and that the likelihood of success in treatment for the issues that landed her in this case was high, that they were thinking she would be able to to be yeah, rehabilitated. You had started to, what was she, what was Anissa diagnosed with? Well, it's hard to tell. I'll, I'll, okay. We'll get there. Okay. So... They basically put in that um, they think that she would be able to be rehabilitated and that she had a likelihood of success for treatment um, in May. So they're still waiting on a a return for that. June of 2015, Morgan's family history of schizophrenia was revealed. June of 2015. They committed the crime in May of 2014. It wasn't until June of 2015 that that it came to light that her father has schizophrenia. That... It's unbelievable to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I know. And it pri- wasn't prior. Like I said, mm-hmm. certain families, there's just the stigma. You don't want to talk about it. Yada, yada. Everybody with mental health mm-hmm. issues has their own feelings and thoughts and experiences with whether or not they want to be open about their own diagnosis. Like, totally get that. But your daughter has just attempted to kill someone. Yes. And you still mm-hmm. don't tell them anybody that's insane. it came out through expert witness testimony that's since yep so he didn't even tell anybody nope it was um it was revealed that he suffered from a similar mental illness which is the same mental illness early onset schizophrenia as the diagnosis and that he was hospitalized at least four times when he was 14 or 15 years old oh my god yep so that's in june <laughs> There's oh a, my God. I know I'm going really chronologically month by month here, but there's just a lot of yeah. little, oh, yeah. it's all about this juvenile versus adult. Obviously, yeah. they were arguing it, so there's a lot to, to touch on. And then in August, um, the judge ruled again, finally, put the order down that these girls were not going to be tried for juvenile court. They don't qualify. Yeah. Um, the defense did not pass the three-part test for transferring these cases into juvenile court. 
they would have only served at most two years in prison and then they would have been under community supervision. So he just said that that was a they didn't they didn't prove it. And B, that wasn't enough time. Yeah. And it wasn't. Yeah. I tend to agree with him. I think I'm going to just go ahead and go on record. I think that the judge handled this case correctly. It's hard. So because of that ruling, the girls' faces finally reappear. So prior to this, when they weren't sure if they were going to be listed as minors or juveniles or adults, right. he had put an order, a ban on cameras. The pictures were not allowed. The yeah. girls were not to be photographed. Now that they're adults, he can't do that. So this is the first time in August that we've seen the girls since the crime. And it's been over a year. And they've grown up a lot. Yeah. The decision on the reverse waiver that they tried or attempted earlier in the year was obviously rejected. And they had, they ended up appealing for that. So they asked the appellate court to, to say, but please, can they please be tried as children? So that started and it kept going until later on. So we're going to jump to January of 2016. So okay. people people forget how long this process takes. It takes forever. I wait months for crop to come back from the courthouse. Like, it takes a really long yeah. time. So and, in the meantime... we don't even handle litigation. No, and we're not even doing litigation. We're doing basic stuff. So in the meantime, Morgan is entered into a psychiatric hospital. A civil judge approves that she should go to a state mental hospital where she can get her first treatment for schizophrenia including medication that her lawyer says quells the voices from her imaginary friends. She was confined to a juvenile detention center in West Bend while she did this treatment. So this is the first time she's ever been treated for her schizophrenia. January. Oh, my God. Yeah. Her mom begins to talk about... uh, She kind of turns herself into an advocate for mental illness and juvenile crime laws and has really promoted her family and promoted herself into telling the story. And the court yeah, of a- that can be taken. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about it to be honest. It's a, it's one of those things. Like if you're truly advocating for mental health reasons, especially juvenile mental health, because it, it is, it's a huge, a huge. Oh, there's problem. a gap. Yeah, there's a huge problem. And honestly, I've literally had a psychiatrist tell me it's extremely difficult to diagnose bipolar, schizophrenia, all of these things in children mm-hmm. because they're still growing. Their brains aren't fully developed. Yeah. Like, it, what is imaginary play and what's a hallucination? Mm-hmm. Like, when I was growing up, I had I had an imaginary friend when I was little who lived in the refrigerator. Aww. I didn't think that she actually lived in the refrigerator, but for whatever reason, that's the door she always entered my house in, and I would go up and knock on the refrigerator door and say, Melanie, come in. Do you think it's just because it was a door? And I you think knew it was just because it was the probably. only door that I knew I wasn't going to get yelled at for opening. Probably, yeah. Because I also was a flight risk. <laughs> <laughs> I had a spell in my life where I was like, you're not going to hold me down, and I used to like try to run You're still away. like that. I used to try to run away from the house, not actually run away. I had every intention of coming back, but I just didn't understand. My brother was five years older than me. And so he was allowed to go out and just like run the neighborhood and play with his friends. And I wasn't allowed to do that because I was too young yet. This explains so much. I did not like that. So I would run. I would just go. And then my mother, my poor mother, my poor working mother would have to (laughs) chase me. Chase me down oh the street. Oh, my gosh. That's horrible. And then I had a lying phase where I didn't really understand lying at that time. At the same time, like, all went hand in hand. 
Yeah. So she loves to tell the story about how she chased me down the street after hearing me because she worked like second or third shift or something. Yeah. So she would be home, but she was sleeping and my dad was at work and she heard me because I was too little to undo the chain. So I would get the drag the chair over. Oh, my God. Undo gosh. the chain. Undo all the locks. And I would just take off running and she chased me down the street and she's like, what are you doing? Nothing. Why? Why are you leaving the house? I told you not to leave that. I didn't leave the house. We're standing in the middle of the street. No, we're not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just trying to gaslight her. I was practicing my gaslighting skills. <laughs> practicing your gaslighting. At a very young age. I don't know. I think I was like maybe four. Yeah, that sounds like a four-year-old so, thing. So, you know, I... I, I, why I went we on that here? tangent. How did we get here? <laughs> how did we get here? Anyway, sorry. That's fine. I genuinely fun, don't know how we got here. Oh, imaginary friends. Yes, anyway. imaginary friends, lying, gaslighting, all anyway, of the, all here we of are. the things. I love it. I'm anyway, going to start knocking on your fridge. What? Where do you draw the line? Because it is. It's yeah. very difficult to know. Is it okay for my kid? Because every kid is different. So mm-hmm. some kids... I'm sure there's probably thousands of kids that followed Slenderman and they, yeah. and they, they did. even if they got swept away in it, yeah. they didn't And this is not the only Slenderman health. related crime. Yeah. So you've got the ones that probably already have mental health things and mm-hmm. stuff going on and they take it to that level. And then you've got yeah. the kids that are just... In their angsty, creepy phase, and they're like, "Oh, I'm really into this." And, and then you have, and then, and then you have my best friend, whose imaginary friend turns out to be a ghost. Well, yeah, that's a whole. <laughs> that's a whole <laughs> Maybe one day I'll tell that story. Maybe not, but anyway, that's personal. That's a personal story for her to tell. Maybe yeah, one day. Maybe we'll have her on the show one day. You're sick, and I just bring Kale on. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I yeah. I don't know. I'm looking at a picture of Morgan in 2016, and I just, I don't know. I'm struck by how much she has grown up because she's yeah. it's a heavy age. She's four, 14. So anyway, um, the Court of Appeals ruled that they have to stay in adult court. That waiver that they attempted to file, and then they had appealed it, came back. Nope, they have to stay where they are. And then Morgan, in August of 2016, enters a guilty plea or she enters a plea of not guilty by reason of mental disease mm-hmm. and two doctors are ordered to evaluate her, but she does enter the plea. So she will serve time for her actions, but she is technically not guilty because of yeah. her mental issues, which is, yeah. I think is fair. Yes. Um, I agree. But here's the picture that I'm looking at that's making me trip up because she looks like a yeah. teenager. Because when you're hearing the story, you're like, oh, 12-year-old. And, and then, then you scroll by the up time here, you actually see her. And she's yeah. a kid. And then yeah. you scroll for two years, and there she is. She's yeah. a, a teenager already. So yep. So that was August and September. Anissa pleads not guilty by reason of mental disease or defect. Somebody, Someone entering this plea contends that at the time of the crime, a mental disease or defect prevented them from appreciating the wrongfulness of the action or from conforming her conduct to the law. So she also pleads insanity. She attempts to plead second-degree homicide as party to a crime with use of a deadly weapon and will proceed to trial on whether her mental condition at the time should make her legally responsible for the crime. So here's, I'm just going to show you, and I'll probably post it to the Instagram. Here's a picture of Anissa in 2016, Mm -hmm. and she looks like a teenager. She's passing a note to her attorney during her trial at that Mm -hmm. point. 
and she's found not guilty. So they do affirm that. Um, she does get treatment, but the jury rules that the Slenderman delusion is what led her to kill or attempt to kill her six. Well, they were in sixth grade, I guess. Sixth grade classmate. Wow. Ten out of 12 jurors agreed that Anissa was suffering from a mental disorder. So Anissa's mental dis- disorder is different. It's hard to define. Nobody really has a full, like, diagnosis for her. But it is certain that she struggled to differentiate between fiction and reality, and she had delusion issues. Okay. To me, it seems really clear that Morgan's delusions were strong enough, and their friendship was strong enough that it was the delusion of two. And they convinced each other through through their mental health issues that this is what was happening. Yeah. So... September 2017, the uh, Morgan and the prosecutors reach an agreement to um, plead guilty as charged, but not criminally liable. So it's the same thing. But for some reason, she pled not guilty and they affirmed that. But then later she had to come in with a guilty plea. And I couldn't really figure out why. Hmm. But eventually, Morgan was... She pleads guilty as charged, but with not being held criminally liable and will remain in the mental hospital. So she's been in the same treatment facility for 18 months. And so when she does enter this guilty plea, she basically says, I will be charged as guilty, but not criminally liable. And I will stay where I am. Yeah. I think I said that three different ways, but the same thing. And I apologize. Yeah. Because I'm still trying to process why she enters the plea, I guess. She might have tried. Maybe I'm processing this incorrectly. And she tried to plead not guilty and they ended up pleading guilty. Maybe that's what happened and Maybe it wasn't a plea deal, a deal and I was backwards. Yeah. You know, these legalese are different. It, it would make – but it would make sense to me. Actually, like, I'm surprised – well, it's state by state. Yeah. It's state law. So – and we're here in Florida and so we're not super familiar with every state's law, obviously, but – It would make sense to me. Honestly, I think there should be a lot of cases where you're guilty, but you're guilty with that, that you're not because of your mental health. Mm -hmm. It's not the same level of liability, if you will, as it would be to somebody who maybe doesn't have those issues. And so I'm I'm glad to hear that she's able to stay in a treatment facility versus Mm -hmm. just prison. Yeah. Because that's just going to make her worse. Yep. I apologize for my disconnect there. I don't know how I, how I got that all mixed up in my head. But that's okay. She tried to plead not guilty by reason of insanity. Mm-hmm. She ended up accepting a deal for guilty mm-hmm. as charged but not held criminally liable. Yeah. And was held at that mental institution. So then in 2017, I, just, I like to tell a year because it's just it's a long process. Yeah. Anissa, who was 15 at this point, is committed to 25 years in a mental health institution. Um, The judge, this is still the same judge, followed the prosecution recommendation for the maximum length of supervision. She will spend at least three years in the state mental institution before seeking community release, I mean, release on community supervision. And her supervision will last until she's 37. So, fair. That actually happened recently. She was released recently within the last two years, and is living with her father with um, Department of Health, you know, a social worker and community Mm -hmm. supervision. 
2018, February 2018, Morgan is committed for 40 years at a mental health treatment center with monitoring and will remain at that secure mental health institution. He opted again with the maximum commitment term from hearing for, after hearing from experts who suggested that Morgan could receive more effective treatment for her schizophrenia somewhere other than the mental health institution of Winnebago, which she was solely being, when she was being housed in the Winnebago mental health institution, she was being housed with adults who had committed crimes. So they were basically saying, mm-hmm. he, and he agreed that she could serve someplace else and get better treatment for her disorder. So yeah. they ended up moving her. Um, and here's the here's the 2019-2020 episode where Peyton comes out and speaks publicly for the first time. And she says, quote, adult crime is adult court. And she agrees that that was the appropriate jurisdiction for Anissa and Morgan. She's 17 in that special. She's a high school senior. And she talks about her friendships with the two of them. She's really grown up. And it was really moving yeah. to see. Especially because I, I just, I don't know, we're the same age. So I get it. Yeah. 2019, Morgan challenges the decision to try her in adult court, um, argues that she didn't really understand her rights when she gave up the and agreed to speak alone with detective custody and did not know that she was, you know, allowed to be with her parents. And she dis- delivered a really, quote, disturbing confession on video. And it was concerning. Yeah. And it was disturbing. Um, but she lost that, appro- that appeal in 2020. It had nothing to do with the fact that she was convicted. She would have been convicted. The outcome would have been the same. And I think everybody can see that. Um, They filed with the Supreme Court in 2020. Anissa, who is now 19, filed a petition in court for her conditional release, saying that she would not pose a significant threat of bodily harm on herself or others. Um, And she wrote a very long letter to the judge discussing that. And he eventually approved it she had to appear in court a couple times um she was saying people said that she had extraordinary compliance while she was institutionalized everyone says she was a model prisoner that there was no there was no evidence that she posed a substantial risk even though the prosecution says that they of course said that she still had risk that was their job yeah but they approved her conditional release and so she was released in september of 2020 she um September 13th, she served the rest of her commitment within her community, and she was monitored with a GPS tracking device and will be supervised with case managers until she's 20, 37 years old. She still lives with her father, and she's not allowed to leave Waukesha County. And that's where we're at. Morgan remains institutionalized. Yeah. And she that's most likely will. Be. Yeah, yeah, honestly. Because even after she was given medication, she still heavily struggled with her schizophrenic episodes and yeah. her delusions. So. I initially thought that this case was going to be a lot more fun. Not like that any case is fun, but like, right. you know, a Slenderman case. Da, 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 and then it just got really heavy really fast. And Yeah. Well, whenever you're talking about kids, mm-hmm. either or, whether they're the victims or they're the committer of the crime, mm-hmm. it 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 is a little heavy. I mean, because it's sad. It's sad for everybody. I mean, you feel sad for the victim in this case, but you also feel sad like thinking these are just kids and they're gonna have to spend all like mm-hmm. think about all the life experiences and things that you do in life mm-hmm. from the time that you're 12 till you're 37 40 you know how however old uh, and, yeah I, I just the amount of growing up you do from 12 to 17 is crazy yes, yes. and i it's just it's hard i mean 
And I and I apologize for the last bit being so date and chronologically heavy on the court stuff, but I just kept trying to think about different ways to tell it, and it just it all ended up sounding the same. So I feel like you got the most yeah. information and the most legal explanation of how they ended up where they ended up. Yeah, sometimes it just be like that. <laughs> Some people don't know how it be, <laughs> but, it do. <laughs> but it do. But it do. So I'm sorry there weren't a lot more laughs in this one, but it's... Oh, I think there were plenty. That's why I tried to throw... I tried to do my best. You did your best. I did my best. I loved it. I laughed at Melanie. Melanie. In the fridge. In the fridge. Good old Melanie. Good old Melanie. I don't know when that stopped. I was probably like... I was never an imaginary friend kid. Four or five. Five Five-ish. I never really had imaginary friends. I remember, I distinctly remember trying to have imaginary friends because I thought that they were cool. Yeah. I I don't, I, I don't honestly, I don't have like vivid memories. I kind of remember doing that on the fridge and stuff, but uh, mostly that's just, I know bits and pieces of it from my mom specifically oh, yeah. telling me this is what she used to do. So I was a weird one. But like I said, mental health issues <laughs> run in my family. Yeah, so. and I knew I, that was the other thing that I knew this was going to be more serious because this hits close to home for you. And so, but yeah, it, but, I mean, you have to have true. a good sense of humor about that stuff. Otherwise, you'll die. <laughs> I mean, Be sad all the time. It, you know, when I've talked about my life or things in my family, some people look at me like, wow, that's a lot. Why are you laughing about that? And I guess you have to. And then you met me. And, and I laugh at everything. And you're like, you're laughing right there with me. I'm like, finally. Absolutely. It's finally, funny. Somebody gets it. That It's not weird that I laugh at, you know, as I'm saying. That's how we are on Look at this time. horrible thing that happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> but it's because that's mm-hmm. how you survive. That's how you. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, it's a coping mechanism. Oh, for sure. And for I sure. definitely, I've already, you know, we've all already done therapy for this stuff but yeah nevertheless i maybe hope- that's why i like true crime so much because i'm like look it's like people who feel like they're hoarders so they watch hoarders and they're like oh whoa i do that with my <laughs> 600 pound life I'm not, and i'm not that bad like i'm yeah. i i need to keep it in check i it helps yeah. it helps you keep it in check maybe that's why i'm kidding i'm not i'm really not i just have generalized anxiety i think that if we tried to look for an explanation as to why we like true crime, we would be sorely lacking. Yeah, there's so many there's people so many that different love options. it, and and we're all we're all a little weird, and I love it. Yes, we found our hopefully we find our little weirdos everywhere. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for sharing. Thanks for listening to it's my. Been fun. I feel like the last bit was so heavy of talking on my end that I feel like I ranted the whole time, and I I hope that that's not the case. No, you're good. I think you're good. Perfect. All right. Let's go eat some lunch. Bye, guys. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening, guys. Find us on Instagram and TikTok at burdenofproofpod and email us at burdenofproofpod at gmail.com.